Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is Wilson from F3 Dayton with your weekly Q-Source topic, where we review a chapter of the Q-Source while also hearing a classic episode of the 43 Feet podcast featuring Dread and Dark Helmet. This week's topic from the book is Q3.8, Candor, graciously telling the hard truth and demanding to hear it from others. Recently on my Facebook thread, a meme popped up that says, if you can't look back at your younger self and realize you were an idiot, you are probably still an idiot. As I'm less than 12 months shy of 70 trips around the sun, I can't count the times I've said in the last few years, why am I just now learning this? And then I reflect back to a psychology class from my college days where I learned the principle that we do not learn things until we are ready. That encompasses things like walking and potty training, to throwing a baseball, to doing the right thing because it's the right thing. Speaking the hard truth and expecting to hear it is one of those things that does not come naturally for most of us, and Dredd provides his own stories illustrating this principle. Dredd's first main point, only hard truth requires candor. Candor is the first of the five F3 leadership virtues, the habits and ethics of moral excellence that a man must possess to be a virtuous leader. The leadership virtues are distinct from the leadership skills which are the capabilities of effective leadership. A leader is effective because he possesses the skills of vision, articulation, persuasion, and exhortation, V-A-P-E, in sufficient measure that he can influence movement to advantage. However, this has nothing about his character. Only if he is also imbued with the leadership virtues can he be called a virtuous leader. Inherent in candor is a belief in the existence of truth itself. Truth is a transcendental fundamental or spiritual reality that is self-evident and cognizable without further explanation. It is also immutable in the sense that it does not change over time. What was true yesterday is true today and will be for tomorrow evermore. A person might change, but truth never does. Second, from hard truth comes love and trust. 
An effective but unvirtuous leader keeps the hard truth from his followers. He justifies his lack of candor by couching it in a form of protection. He lies, by misrepresentation or omission, to his followers because, he tells himself, they cannot handle the hard truth. He convinces himself that the pain and disruption of knowing the truth are hardships that only he can bear, when the reality is that he lacks the strength of character required to deal with other people's unhappiness. He indulges himself in that odd kind of love that leaves another man imprisoned in deceit rather than setting him free in truth. The virtuous leader sees no love in deceit, regardless of how well-intentioned. He graciously tells the hard truth because he knows that any movement influenced through chicanery will not result in long-term advantage. Once people discover that they have been lied to, the resulting distrust will produce an obstacle that no amount of exhortation can surmount. Finally, candor is a two-way street. Telling the hard truth is only one half of candor. The other half is hearing it. For a leader to be virtuous, he must be able to handle the truth. If he can't, then no one will be willing to tell it to him. Handling hard truth well requires the discipline over one's emotions that comes from preparedness. A virtuous leader handles hard truth like a pro because he is right, living his life in the normal and upright position. A virtuous leader ensures that he will hear the hard truth through forceful engagement with the members of his organization. The Guist's approach to engagement is to have an open-door policy and be receptive to people when they want to talk. That's nice in theory, but way too passive in practice. Open doors and smiley faces won't get people to spill the beans on things that scare or embarrass them. A leader committed to getting the hard truth knows that he will have to seek it aggressively and deal with it maturely when he finds it. He will have to ask people both what they did and why they did it, and keep asking until the answers make sense. Like most things a leader must do, that will cause pain. With that as an overview, here's the substantive portion of a classic episode of the 43 Feet podcast featuring Dread and Dark Helmet talking about candor. I hate seeking justice missile. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I think it's time to roll the open. Should we just roll it? Uh, we're back. And we're back. <laughs> hey, uh... You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front, but that means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz. Known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers. And I'm joined each week by Dave Redding, or Dread, one of the co-founders of F3 Nation. We're going to answer your questions, pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. But All right, hey man. Well, yeah, that, that takes us, us actually. To that was, the yeah. Substantive 
portion. It is substantive. And I think it's a, a nice segue from what we just talked about to, to today's topic. It, it is. And uh, today's topic, of course, is candor. Yes. Candor, which is the uh, in the third quadrant. It yep. is the Q3.8 if. If you happen to be following along with our idiotic numbering system. And we really hope you are. All I right. So. so the statement for candor is graciously telling the hard truth and demanding to hear it from others. Let me repeat that because it's so important. Graciously telling the hard truth and demanding to hear it from others. There's as always, to unpack in there. it is always, always darkest. Yes. There are three thought-provoking Socratics. There are. There are. And here they are. Are all truths self-evident? <laughs> Second, are some things better left unsaid? And third, what happens if you kill the messenger? Mm. Right. So let's talk about this uh, first one. So the first part is uh, only hard truth requires candor. Yes. Only hard truth. You know, yeah. there's a lot of uh, easy truths out there. Sure. You know, like, hey, your plane's on time. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the hard truth, anybody can do that. Right? You won the lottery. That's right. Anybody can do that. Yeah. You know. Um, anybody, and many do. Anybody can tell, tell people the good news. Telling somebody says, hey, your plane's not on time. Right. Or I'm very sorry to tell you the plane with your loved ones on it has crashed. That's a very hard truth. That's a very hard truth to tell. Uh, and graciously doing it is uh, a huge part of leadership. I can tell you that the way lawyers get in trouble is uh, the ma major complaint against lawyers mm -hmm. is that they don't communicate well with their clients. They don't answer their emails. They don't tell them things. And I can tell you from, from experience the hardest part of that, and the reason it happens is because he's often telling them bad news. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, you can cut this out later if you would not like me. You have been my client. Yes. Some things in our in the litigation which my firm represented you were good and some were bad. That's, that is true. Uh, ultimately, I hope you're satisfied with the outcome. Incredibly satisfied. Good. Uh, but you don't know how litigation works. Right. You asked uh, me and, and my man Deuce a lot of questions. Yes. And we answered them. You just tell me answers you liked and something you didn't. You know, I hope we were um, reasonably um, quick to respond. Always. And, and did our best to oh, yeah. tell you the truth, right? Oh, yeah. So, um, it, and, and I'll say you were a good client because when we told you told you hard truths, you didn't overreact. No, we just said, well, okay. You, know, makes and sense. you drove on and you yeah. didn't blame us for the outcomes, you know, that, that weren't uh, sure. advantageous in the short run. And, but it's hard to tell people things that they don't want to hear and face their unhappiness right you know and and i think over time it wears lawyers down and they kind of start finding ways to avoid it mm -hmm. and then there's obviously they're abandoning candor right which leaves them in a situation where they're not able to be as effective they can't possibly be effective but really it's virtue now we're talking about right because mm -hmm. candor is the first of the five leadership virtues. Fair. Right? So so when we were talking about the leadership skills, yes. that's vape. Yeah, right. Right? So right. vision, articulation, persuasion, exhortation, we're not done with that. That's what makes a leader effective. Okay, so he can do all yes, those things. Yes, because he has those skills. Effective, right? Yeah. He, is, he is capable of initiating movement through those yes. things. He can do it by lying. He can. And be effective. And many have. And many have. <laughs> But he can't also be virtuous. Right. See, that's that's the tension between, between the two. Because ultimately, to be virtuous, you have to be seeking a virtuous outcome. And movement that was induced through chicanery or compulsion is not virtuous. Right. So if, if you're doing that, you know, in the short run, you do initiate movement uh, towards something at least that you visualize as advantageous to the group, at least in the short run. But you do it in an improper way or without exercising what we call the virtues. Mm -hmm. Then ultimately, you're not 
going to leave a legacy. Yeah, you got a problem. You got a problem, right? Yeah. Um, so that's why the the virtues are there. And um, you know, this is something we said before. We're going to repeat real quickly. Virtuous leadership and effective leadership are not the same thing. Right. Although you can't be virtuous unless you're also effective. So you start out with effective leaders, right? There are very few effective leaders around, you know, and that's why organizations right. suffer because very few leaders are capable of initiating movement. And when I say leader, I'm, you know, I'm using a little L there. Right, a person who holds a leadership position. That's right. Yeah. Or governance is basically yeah. called. Somebody yeah. who uh, has the, you know, the managing apparatus of the organizations by fiat or vote or however they got Whatever it. it yeah. right? but Promotion. Not, yeah, but they're not really initiating movement. Right. You know, they're just there, right? Right. Their manager, maybe, or whatever mm-hmm. you call them. But if they're a leader, they're initiating movement. Uh, but they may be doing it in a bad way to a bad end. Right. You know, so like Adolf Hitler, yeah, very effective that, leader, yeah. right? You know, we said right. it before. But he sure as heck was not virtuous. No. Right? Um, no. And I think that's, uh, sometimes we get a little twisted up because we say, just having the virtues doesn't make you virtuous. That's right. You may have one or more. Yeah. So when we're talking about right. virtuous leadership, we're saying you're both effective yes. and exhibit the virtues. Yes, that's yeah. right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So if you are someone who has a lot of virtues and and uh, say you have all five of them. Sure. Right. Uh, you could be somebody and, and most likely would be somebody who's been uh, elevated to the highest levels of, of leadership positions in mm-hmm. your organization because that's kind of what people look for. Well, they're going to they're going to they're gonna like you. Because you're that I kind of guy, you. and they're gonna yeah, right. and, and they look up to you maybe, and right. and because you live your life a certain way or whatever right. it is, but you you if you don't have the other piece, you're not necessarily right. uh, able to be uh, virtuous. Yeah, you're just somebody who has the virtues, but yeah. you're not effective. Yeah, right. So effectiveness being what uh, vaping, what a leader does, ideally what mm-hmm. we want our leaders to do, the virtues being ideally who we want them to be. Right now, ultimately, this stuff's all kind of conflates anyway. I mean, the, if you aren't if you aren't virtuous, if you don't have the virtues, you are ultimately not going to be able to, you know, in, uh, initiate movement. Right. Ultimately, those that yeah. lack of virtue will yeah. stop you. Yeah, it, it'll 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 corrupt you. Well, he'll say he'll pull you in his office and he'll say, "Quit running around the, the troops." <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> right. People will see through. Yeah, who you are. It just won't work. Only, yeah. It only works in the short run, right? Thousand Year Reich lasted, you know, seven years. That math didn't work out. It didn't work out, you yeah. know. It did not. So that character <laughs> that is required, getting back to this first spur, yes. that character that's required to tell a hard truth, right? That's, that's you know, that's the virtue. Right. Um, and that the, the willingness to tell people something they do not want to hear yeah, and to keep on telling them and to do it graciously, you know, it's it's tough. And in order to, graciously. Yeah, graciously, and say in order to do it graciously, you, you I know we we kind of hammer on this you know, over and over, but you have to have gotten right, right. and you must be living right, because yeah. otherwise, I ain't gonna listen to what you're gonna tell me. Right, hard truth or not, you know. So I've been trying to case for a couple of days. I've got some emails I got to answer this afternoon, sure. and uh, some of them are are hard. Yeah, I'm tired. Don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And that's, that's, but you know, I'm not, I don't always feel that way. Sure. Right. But the, the more worn down you get and or out of the habit, right. Mm-hmm. Out of the discipline, the more likely you are to procrastinate and truth, hard truths that need to be told start to stink real fast. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. Start to stink Bad cheese. Fast. Bad <laughs> cheese, man. Bad yeah. cheese. 
All right. Let's uh, talk about the second spur again. Yes. This is, uh, goes to the Socratic. Uh, are some things better left unsaid? The spur is from hard truth comes love and trust. Yes. Love and trust. An effective but unvirtuous leader, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of Hitler we're talking about. He will often keep the hard truth from his followers. And, wow. it, and, it, and it may be he, he'll justify it like I'm protecting them. Sure. They're, they're not ready for that. They're not ready for that. Yeah. You know, they that, couldn't handle it. Right, right. Yeah. It's something that, um, you know, what do they? What do the millennials say now? Trigger words or trigger right. words. I can't, I can't bear that. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I know, need to go to my safe space. Right. Like, like, you know, yeah. it's like your words are, words are violence or whatever. Yes, right? yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of a, I'm hoping that's a passing fad because I, it's hard for me to imagine anything more detrimental to the continued potency of a group than having the uh, ethic of candor disappear. Yeah. Like we don't want people to hear that. Right. I mean that because, because it'll, it'll harm them emotionally. Yeah. And, I mean, if that's your prevailing, your group's prevailing ethic, your group ain't long for this world, man. <laughs> I'm serious. No, no, I, you know, I, I agree. Yeah. And I, you know, that law school at one point in time, the idea of the Socratic method of, of, uh, instruction was that you, you know, you got up, you stood up in front of the whole class, and the professor asked you very hard questions about the case you were studying, mm-hmm. put you on the spot, you had to defend yourself. And uh, I think my era of law school is like the tail end of that. Like some of the older professors did it, some of the mm-hmm. newer did it, whatever. But then they were already getting into this kind of social justice stuff, and you know, thinking, well, it's really, you know, it's mean to do that, or whatever. But guess what? As soon as I got out in the real world, a lawyer, and that's what you're doing. That's every what they day. did to you. Yeah, ain't nobody pulling you know, punches. That's right. You're standing up in front of a judge. I just did it today. You know? Yeah. Objected to a certain particular piece of evidence coming in. It's damaging to my client, um, and I got to argue it. Judge put me to you know put right. me to the test. I got to know the rule, know why, make a persuasive argument. You know, and uh, if I'm snowflaking, you know that yeah. evidence comes Toast. and hurts my client's case. Yeah. You know, what, what good am I to my client if I'm not emotionally tough enough to, to, to do, if I can't do it, and where would I learn it? So this is why we say if you're not telling the hard truth to your followers, right, mm-hmm. out of misguided notions that it's, that it's mean or you're protecting yeah, them or something. Be too that, tough. You're calling that love. That's an odd kind of love, man. You yeah. know, that's the kind yeah. of love that leaves another man in prison in deceit rather than setting him free. I don't get that. And I haven't gotten it since. No, I know. I don't know when this whole thing crept in, Franklin. Like mm-hmm. this whole, you know, trigger words and all that crept right, in. Right. But it suddenly seems like we're surrounded by it, man. And uh, it's it's really bad. Yeah. It's really bad, and I see it in young lawyers now, um, where you kind of get in these interchanges, and they're like, they don't seem to understand the adversarial confrontation of it. Right. I don't mean yeah, not not, like not the, being a, a shouting match right. kind of way. Yeah, but they're like, oh, we're all in this together. And I'm like, no, you're we're in not. it together, <laughs> and I'm in it to, in a separate together. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in this together that opposes your together. <laughs> That's right. We're, we're not, you know, like it's like when a politician's like, oh, we have too much fighting in the legislature. No, we don't have enough. We don't have enough fighting. Right. Fighting means you're actually engaged. Right. There's something happening. That's right. They're not engaged. No, they're they're both turned their back on each other, and they're screaming out in their in their own direction. I mean. That, that nothing's ever going to happen. That's why mm-hmm. the legislatures on both the state and federal level have come to a screeching halt. They don't do anything at all except tweet. I mean, <laughs> because they can't. They can't have an. They can't do it. Right. They, well, they refuse. 
I mean, yeah, I think it's down. you know yeah. you know we've talked about they argument can. before. Yeah. They they I think it's a, it's a lost skill. It's a, no longer a valued skill. Mm-hmm. But so if you don't value it, then you're not going to practice it. Well, yeah, why would you? And that's the only way. That's the only way you get better. Because dread. Everyone is entitled to universal happiness. And yeah, the sooner well, you grab goo, onto right. that. that, you know, <laughs> that's goo. Well, a virtualist leader sees this differently. You know, uh, he sees there's no love in deceit. Right. No matter how well intentioned, man. I mean, there's just no love in it. You know, he's going to tell the hard truth with, as graciously as he can, because he knows that the movement that gets in, it gets in, uh, influenced by chicanery is always going to be fake and yeah. short-lived. Yeah. You know, you tell a guy if, you, if you're not truthful with him, you know, he's once he figures it out, man, he's going to stop moving it. Right. Right. As we say, movement from the status quo uh, is uncomfortable and yeah. unwelcome because it causes pain and chaos. Right. Yeah. That's the opposite of personal comfort. The, the, the kimono. <laughs> yeah. Right. Pain and chaos. Right. So if you don't tell me the truth about the pain and chaos that's on the road, when I hit it, I'm not going to trust you. Right. So it's like a, I like a pilot when I'm in a plane. We get up in the air. It's like, OK, I got an hour flight to Charlotte. You know, about halfway through, we're going to hit some rough air. Uh, we may have to, you know, go up or down a little bit to find a little better route. But it's going to be a little bit rough. So just let you know. You know, okay. and then when I hit it, I'm not like, you know, right. well, this guy just flew us into some rough air and he knew it was out there. Yeah. And I was like, just, right. and maybe pilots up there, I was like, I don't want him to know. Right. I don't want to scare anybody. I'm like, well. How scared are we going to be when we hit the rough air? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, if you, trust is, is built on truth. Yeah. And yeah. that's why candor is so important. As soon as people realize you've been lying to them, you've lost them, man. It's over. That's, and it, much like uh, any positive thing, you know, like it takes forever to get in shape and it takes like a week to get out. You know? Yeah. You never yeah. get it back. Right. So, yeah. It's right. Tough. That's right. You know, and uh, it's that bond you know, when you're facing hardship and you tell the guys this is going to suck, mm-hmm. but we're ready and it sucks and you get through it. You come out the other end. You've built a bond. Yeah. Right. Saw that in, uh, in the grow rock. You, know, you look those guys in the face and you say, hey, look. It's, yeah, it's going to be really hard. I mean, you lie to guys. It. You lie to guys. That, those chickens are going to come home to roost. Yeah. And there's going to be a reckoning. Yeah. All right. Uh, that takes us to the third spur. Again, this is key to the Socratic of what happens if you kill the messenger? Oh. All right. Uh, and this spur is candor is a two-way street. So, again, the statement, mm-hmm. graciously telling the hard truth and demanding to hear it from others. And demanding it. And demanding it, right? Yeah. So, um, and when I say demand, I don't mean this kind of Oprah bomb thing. I have an open door. Right. Feel free to, you know, feel right. free to, if you got any problems. You know, <laughs> demand doesn't really uh, leave well, that as an option. Uh, invitations to tell people the hard truth are not enough. There's got to demand it. Yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta go out of your door and go out and start asking for stuff. Now, the way you <laughs> react to that is going to completely govern mm-hmm. how much truth you get. So right. if you're the boss and when you get bad news, you overreact, you <laughs> right. kill the messenger, right. whatever Flip you, tables. That's right. Yeah. You, it's, you are going to get dynamically less truth. I don't see how you could. Uh, it's going to happen, right? Yeah. It's going to happen. Um, I've got this one particularly difficult client right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not me. No, uh, Steve, <laughs> Steve, it's not you. Uh, <laughs> and not difficult because he's not paying me. Uh, no. It's actually a corporation. It's not difficult for that reason. Just difficult uh, because it's a difficult case and um, they're just they're just tough, right? Yeah. And uh, so sometimes you have some communication issues, but whatever. Um, and the other day something happened that just grieved me. Mm. You know, and uh, I, had, I I lost my temper a little bit. Uh-huh. In front of, you know, the folks who work here. And uh, I, I went out and I dealt with it. And I came back 
and I just immediately grabbed him and apologized very quickly. Right. I said, you know, right. I, I lost my composure. I apologize. This is why I lost it. Um, if you took that as me blaming you, that's not what I was doing. I was right. just mad and uh, just lost my composure. Yeah. You know, I, I want to think that people look at you as human and they say, okay, that's going to happen from time to time. I would think so. Just, you know, um, take responsibility for the outcome. Right. Address it directly and move out smartly. You know, don't let it just lie there. Right. Right. Well, then it's then it's the splinter that gets infected, right? Right. That's and right. And it'll, it'll, you know, it's going to fester. 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 <laughs> Uncle Fester. So, you know, where I, uh, I had to learn this. Sure. This... Uh, deal about open doors and, and smiley faces, not getting, getting <laughs> right. anywhere. You know, right. uh, I mean, you got to be really aggressive. So I, I think probably my first battalion commander who taught me this and explained it in very simple terms to me. Um, that he was going to ask hard questions, right? And and he was going to ask, you know, what I did as a young leader in his mm-hmm. battalion and why I did it. And uh, I had to know before I acted that whatever he, I did, he's going to ask that. He's going to ask that. <laughs> And he said, a good rule of thumb for you, young lieutenant, is if you can't imagine yourself explaining it to me, then you probably ought not to do it that way. Mm. Now, I didn't like that, Franklin. I can imagine. I was impetuous, uh, impulsive, and immature, the three eyes. I, 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 I. And I hated it, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just. It's that rebellious nature, right? It's a, you know, Samson kind of guy. And I would. I would act first and then see what happened and then make up a justification for that. <laughs> it's very convenient. You know, if, he, if I had told the truth, if I was candid and he said, right. why did you do that? I would say, I didn't think about it. I just did it. Right. I would say that now. Which is the truth. Right, which is the truth. Yeah. But when you're 23, you don't do yeah, that. So yeah. what I did was, you know, I rationalized and I, um, you know, I kind of made stuff up. Right. To, Sir, you got to understand because blah, right. blah, blah, blah. And this guy saw right through all that. Sure. I mean, it was easy. And yeah. I resented him and I resented the whole process of knowing that I'd be standing there, often with other guys standing right there, having this guy say, tell me what you did again. Oof. Tell me why you did that. And I'd say, mm-hmm. well, here's why. And he's like, oh, if that's why, then why did you do this? That part doesn't make much sense. I'm trying. I'm having a hard time squaring that, Lieutenant. Explain yeah. that again to me. You know, in full well, right? That I was the answer. That I was, you know, yeah. squirming. You know, right? And <clears throat> I guess ultimately, what that t- guy taught me, what I figured out what to do, because it kept happening, was right. before I acted, I'd say, okay, what's the what here, and what's the why? Right. right? I pictured it. Right. I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to have to explain this. And when I explain it, I better have an answer for these four That's things. That's right. Yeah. And and that gave me confidence. Um, and it, it taught me that was where this burgeoning idea yeah. came from. It also caused me to look, to realize I had five NCOs, five sergeants working for me. Mm-hmm. And before I just decided, you know, it was like George Patton and just said, this is where we're going, man. You know, I would stop and say, well, what do you guys think? Mm-hmm. How should we do? I started getting their help. Right. You know, and that's when I started to understand shared leadership, whatever it, it, yeah. it was based and on how that. effective that, yeah. how effective that was, you know? So when I was at walking and tell the old man about an outcome that was adverse and he says, what did you do? And I could say it clearly. And he said, mm-hmm. why'd you do it? And I say, these three reasons. Well, it didn't turn out the way you expected. I said, negative. It didn't. I said, why? I said, because we failed to execute properly. Yeah. You know, and, and then instead of a yammering self justifying, uh, you know, ball of poo right. that would end up with him, you know, backing me into a corner and right. being forced and the whole right. thing melts down then yeah. I would just stand up like a man tell him what I did why I did it where I failed and then his next question was it was always okay then how are you going to fix that yeah. now, how do we move on right? how do we move on from there because yeah. he was a good leader right? that's why I think it's interesting you know you say that and I, and I start thinking it wouldn't have worked 
first of all, this guy clearly uh, had relinquished his own ego, right? Right. And he was there to lead. He was not there to get the right answers so that he could look good or feel good or whatever. He was there to, to develop men. And, uh, and he had to have, he would have had to have a lot of love. Right. In order to do that. Right. Because otherwise I, he'd just blow you up. Yeah. I think I told this story about the guy. I won't tell the whole story again before, but he blew me up one time in mm-hmm. front of, you know, the entire battalion staff, some stupid <laughs> thing I said. Oh, I passed, uh, I, I tried to pass blame and take praise, you know? <laughs> and, uh, he very unlike just blew you. me up and, you know, but I, and I just, I left there, you know, with, with half the buttocks I walked in his door with right, that day. Right. And, uh, you know, I saw him in the mess hall a couple of days later. I was like, uh, and he just sat down and started talking to me like nothing happened. Right. You know, it's like, I realized the guy didn't do it because he liked it. No. It was his job. You know, he's devo- what had it was like, I was leading, I could be leading one 30 of his men in combat, you know, and, and, and if I was weak and, yeah. uh, self-indulgent, which I was, mm-hmm. you know, because I was just a developing leader, right? you know, I could get some guys killed and that's on his hand receipt, as we yeah. used to say. So... You know, he was doing his job, you know, and then today now I'm not in the army anymore and I bet the army is a little different, mm-hmm. you know, because the millennials are in the army. Um, but today I still do it. Mm-hmm. I still say to guy, you know, the guys working for me, what did you do and why did you do it? And uh, I probably am a, let's say less with less heat than this guy would sure. than we used in the army. Sure. Um, but I, I still, I used to follow the same pattern, and I know they don't like it at first. Sure. But then how do I take it? See, because the guys that I had as bosses that taught me this took it like a pro. Yeah. So, you know, when I had to tell them something didn't happen as the way it was supposed to, you know, like my company commander, so this guy in between my time, you know, the mm-hmm. guy said, I should never be surprised unless you're surprised too. <laughs> right. It's a simple rule, man. Yeah. Yeah. Basically just saying, Anything that happens, I ought to know. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, you tell me before. Yeah, I ain't gonna be mad at you. Right. It's, but you know, it's cover up this kills you. You know. Yeah. And uh, that uh, that that dude was true to his word. Mm-hmm. You know, if I told him, and I took responsibility for it, he'd manage the outcome like a pro. Yeah. Now, secondarily, he'd come back to the cause and say, "Okay, you know." Well, sure. Right. Can't can't have it repeated, right? That's but, right. You know, yeah. you were you were running around with a gallon of gasoline, you know, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a lit cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> so we put out the fire. Now that's the right. fire's out. Yeah. Now, now let's talk let's, about that let's behavior. T- let's talk about that behavior, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the way you ideally do it. That's yeah. the demanding to, to to get the hard truth from others. Right. So uh, this is why that virtue is, and it's it's first because it's an alphabetical order, but it's also sure, very. That's one of the more foundational pieces. It's foundation. It's yeah. firstish. Firstish for uh, for other reasons too, yeah. because it's so important. That um, you know, if you're dishonest, all the other stuff. I'm not. I'm not sure if you're not candid, you can be committed. Mm-hmm. You can be consistent. I mean, if you if you don't want to hear the truth, right? If right. if you're a guy, and you this is how you can kind of tell. When do they tell you bad news in the office? Like if you walk in and you're whistling, you know, everything's great. We just had this great success. Do suddenly they line up to tell you all the bad news? Right. Like they've been waiting to tell right. you. Or do they tell you when it happens? Because if they tell you when it happens, it means that you're probably reacting like a pro. If they're waiting for an opportune moment to tell you stuff, it's probably because you're acting like an amateur. Right, well, you're and focused blo- on yourself. And focused on yourself and how it affects you. Like I did, you know, I, that story I told mm-hmm. recently, right? You know, I, I reacted badly. I mean, I, and, I, and, I, and I immediately recognized it as poor leadership. Right. 
Um, and I guess that's a form of, can- of candor to come back and say, that was, that was poor leadership. I'm sorry I did that. Uh, there's no excuse for it. That's know? a good point. The hard truth that you tell someone isn't always necessarily about them. Sure. Right? Yeah. Right. You're just telling the truth. Like, hey, look, the hard truth in that situation was to come and say, right. I screwed this up pretty bad. That's or, right. Or whatever. That was a hard truth. And it took a lot of grace to be able to tell those people and to admit it and be vulnerable to, right. to admit that to them. That's right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes if you are, if you admit that instead of doing what people do today, mistakes were made. <laughs> if you say, I made this mistake, mm-hmm. there'll be guys out there who'll never let you forget it. Sure. And it, and those are the kind of, and but that's good too, because then you know. Right. There'll also be guys that respect you like a man for having taken responsibility for the mistake. Mm-hmm particularly if they know deep down that it's theirs. Right. Right? Yeah, they can see themselves in it. Yeah, they can yeah. see themselves. And if you say, and I, I had to do this the other day, I had something happen, and it wasn't my fault. It was half of my office's fault, half this other guy's fault. And I just said, look, ultimately I'm in charge of, the, you know, I'm the senior litigator mm-hmm. here. Uh, I'm the first chair, as we say. Everything that happens fails to happen is my responsibility. So the fact that this didn't happen properly is ultimately my responsibility. It's a communication issue, and I take responsibility for it. Um, this guy knew that it was half on right. him or whatever. Right. Didn't matter because then we cut to the chase. We could have spent three hours, you yeah, know, pointing fingers and you know, yeah, playing. Circumstances you know, were such that who shot Johnny Shuttlecock? You know, right. I mean, and it doesn't get you anywhere. Right. And I, I would rather just take the responsibility. Now, if he turns out to be the kind of guy that's like, as you said, it was your fault. And like as I said, it was my fault. Yeah, you're right. Sure. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Right. That's. I I'll, I will bear that. Sure. I'd much rather bear that than, than roll around trying to tell half truths and be less than candid and think you're going to slide by because it's not going to work. Yeah. Anyway, that's that is just part and parcel of what you got to do, man. It's the way life is. It is the way life is. And until, uh, you know, the second coming or whatever, <laughs> your world happens to be or the wind changes direction if you're Bob Dylan spiritualist. Right. You know, this is uh, this is the way it is. You know, Franklin? Yes, sir. Sometimes you just got to tell a man there's a bad mood on the rise. <laughs> you got a face for radio. <laughs> Are you sure? This is a podcast. It is. It is. <laughs> Thanks for listening to 43 Feet, a leadership podcast. If you have questions about leadership, F3, or anything else, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com. Until next time, we'll be here in the unknown, the uncomfortable, the difficult, the 43 feet out front.